0: Sleep is my holy grail because I've heard rumors of what sleep can be, and I have tasted of its sweet waters once or twice. I would just like to be able to feel that a little more often. Welcome to Ice Cream You Scream, a health and wellness podcast. Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm definitely into eating.
1: And I'm Trish, and I'm an intuitive eating advocate. On today's episode, what's up with intuitive eating anyway? hello and welcome back
0: <laughs> howdy
1: <laughs> howdy
0: thanks. thanks for being here we thanks appreciate you
1: for being here it is ice cream you Cream. today i figured alex and i both figured it would be very uh fitting to kind of pick up where we left off in the last couple episodes the last few weeks if you've been listening in we've kind of been hinting at this concept of of intuitive eating and what that is, and I'll preface by saying this is kind of a new thing, not necessarily a fad, but kind of. It's more of just a concept, not necessarily a fact or fiction health thing, um, but it's just a concept that I think a lot of people are starting to look at in the health world, and I know I look at it a lot with my clients. So this is going to be my interpretation of what intuitive eating is, and Alex can definitely bring you know that outside perspective, and it can. Kind of be more conversational. And I guess I want to say if you're listening in and you want to comment on this episode, you want to find us on social media and let us know how you think of intuitive eating, I'd love to hear because it is something that I think can differ from person to person based on everyone's interpretation of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know that actually... I was plugging the podcast the other day was uh out in the world talking with some folks and we were talking about this very subject uh it was it was kind of ironic because these these people uh that I was chatting with know me and they know who I am and what I stand for <laughs> so when they heard that I was working on a health and wellness podcast they were like all right so like you know tell me what what have you what have you learned you know trying to like challenge me like so how you know well how are you so high and mighty and I was like, well, uh, I have learned that apparently I actually have been doing some things right accidentally. And one of these things is intuitive eating. Uh, We were talking about that and I got the question. uh, So how do I intuitive eat when like I... I'm struggling to intuitive eat when I have to eat other times or like I'm struggling to Mm. eat you know be mindful about my eating times because I just get so hungry when you know I can't be eating those kinds of things so I'm curious to touch on this topic a Mm. little bit more in depth I really enjoyed when we touched on this as part of our meal timing episode sure Um, and yeah just excited to see how how this all transitions I will say That doing the breakdown for this episode is going to... I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I do have a pretty good grasp of what intuitive eating is. (laughs) Because we have talked about it. Sure. Um, But yeah, I guess what's exciting is that intuitive eating really is exactly what it sounds like. And that Mm -hmm. is essentially listening to your body. Because your body most of the time does know best and will let you know when you need certain things okay when we need water our body sends signals to us to let us know that we need water when we need to eat our body will send those signals When we need to sleep all of these things our body sure. is great at letting us know when it's time to do that and if we can Get more in tune with those natural food rhythms. It can actually be better for our digestive process. That's mm-hmm. what I remember from a couple episodes ago. Yeah. How how was that?
1: <laughs> that was really good, actually. I think that was really awesome. And it actually reminded me that there are a couple of things that I wanted to review. Last time I was like, there's leptin and there's ghrelin and there are hunger and fullness cues, and I couldn't remember which one was which. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um so leptin is the hormone that is made by our fat cells that decreases our appetite. So that's fullness. So leptin. Leptin, full, I guess you can remember it by the L, and ghrelin is the one that increases our appetite. So that's kind of like what we call our hunger hormone. And there is a, an mm-hmm. H up in there, although you wouldn't know it. Okay. It's G H R E L I N. So you can remember that that way. But basically, like intuitive eating is like kind of tapping into some of these natural processes that do happen within our body. Um, and I think it's important because although I'm a health professional <laughs> and I respect science and health, I do think that we are all the best advocate for our own health and we have the mm-hmm. most authority over our own bodies and we shouldn't have to listen to science or health or, or anything really in one specific way. Um, and our body really does know what it needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I think this is also important because As we break down you know how people get it wrong and people get it right, I do want to address this fact that intuitive eating is kind of anti-diet culture, right? It's kind of anti-doing things one specific way and kind of anti-food rules. And this is becoming important because there is this condition. It's not really a diagnostic term yet, but it's kind of in the other specified feeding or eating disorders category, and it's called orthorexia. And it's basically a disordered way of eating where people are too almost obsessed or worried about eating healthy, that it becomes unhealthy, right? They become so obsessed with food, and it's really kind of develops a really unhealthy relationship with food. And I have seen this in people who are trying to lose a lot of weight, and I've also seen it in people who are trying to heal gut issues as well, Um, because, you know, when we care too much about food, it can just become more stressful.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it, I'm trying to think back to this discussion that I was having. And there's another question that I almost didn't share because I wanted to save it and get like a jump start on the uh, final screen. But I feel like I do want to share just in case it isn't part of the things that you plan to talk about. And I I feel like it, it is. It that, is. I think that's also okay. part of why I'm okay sharing it. Uh, but it's this idea of what if I'm listening to my body and my body is telling me to eat more than I feel like I should. Like my body's telling me to eat meat, yes. meat, And I, I feel like that is something that we touched very briefly on the last time we looked at this topic. And I okay. have to assume that that's something that will probably be in our get it wrong section. But in case it's not, yes. uh, I would be curious for that as well.
1: Okay, I think that's a really, really, really important distinction, Alex. And I think that's definitely will be in that section. Um, so yeah, we can get started in just a moment. I kind of want to define intuitive eating. Intuitive eating means using your intuition to really listen to and honor your body. So this can be based off of your own personal experience, kind of where you are currently with your health, your current desires and goals. It could be based on the past tendencies that you've had that you've learned about. And we'll kind of dive deeper into this. And it can be kind of your personal goals for the future as well. So essentially, it's using your body to kind of you know, access all these different things that work best for you. Basically, if you could think of one way to describe intuitive eating, I think it's individualized. So intuitive mm-hmm. eating, kind of with another eye there, individualized, it's going to be very, very personal to the person. And that's why I kind of prefaced by saying these are, I'm not necessarily the authority on everything intuitive eating, but I do think uh, most would agree um, and maybe even be surprised on some of the ways people get it right or get it wrong before we get into that, do you have anything you want to add Alex?
0: I just I like the idea of individualized plans for these types of things. I have a, a friend actually a friend that I mentioned during our uh, April Fools episode that I game with every once in a while and I had mentioned our podcast to him and he he was intrigued at the thought of the podcast because isn't in his opinion as somebody who uh, had, at one point, like, struggled with his fitness and image. He was like, you know, you got all these people out there taking advantage of... You have these people who are born with good genetics who make these plans that are supposed to be one-size-fits-all. It's the Mm -hmm. same thing for every single person. And then you have these, these people who get taken advantage of because they're looking for a solution, and they buy into that because they see these people, they look good, not because of really anything that they have done, but because of you know again like the the way that they were born in the, you know, the, the 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 biological lottery i suppose that they get yeah. out of that and the reality is we are all very different people and we all need very different uh individualized plans which i think it's it's awesome what you do in in the the health coaching um plug for for health coach Trish uh <laughs> taking the time to meet with people and and find out what is going to work best for them because you y- you can't You can't say that there's a one size fits all thing for everybody. It just doesn't, it's not going to work.
1: Health is not one size fits all. So I really appreciate that perspective from your friend and from you. I appreciate the plug because I think (laughs) a lot of times people do think that health coaching is in the same realm as like a registered dietitian or nutritionist who might just give advice. I think Mm -hmm. any good health professional, whether you're a doctor, a practitioner, or a nutritionist should really be finding the right choice for the client or really asking the client what they want and what they need. And that right. is the basis of coaching though. So it really is not a lot of advice giving. I do a lot of educating on here because Alex and I have backgrounds in education and we love doing this. Um, but I also want to say that I think it is appreci I appreciate that we can have this conversation because as much as we joke about you and I being different, I'm not so much... I don't fully identify with that hardcore hustle-bustle fitness world. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I really don't. Um, And you're not as... As close-minded to health as you think, Alex. Like I think you're more <laughs> conscious of it than you think. Like, yes, you like more ice cream than me and stuff, but you are very open-minded, and I think you do care about your general life, right? And this might just be a part of it. You might not be as fascinated by health as me, but so that's why I think it's going to be a fun conversation because we're different enough, but also like alike enough, you know?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. We, we do overlap in in certain key areas. And- exactly. And that's why this podcast is happening.
1: So. Exactly.
0: Why don't you take us away with why intuitive eating is important?
1: <laughs> so I did already do that, I feel.
0: <laughs> is, okay, can I ask you a question? <laughs> I
1: kind of like without. So we,
0: we talk about the definition. Now, is the definition, should should I be, like, I know we we, you know, we, we, we so let me for for the listeners here because I need you guys to understand. We <laughs> talk about the definition, but the definition itself isn't on our outline. So in my brain, I'm like, okay, I'm looking at keeping us organized, keeping us on the right track, and why it's important is is the is the first thing there and. So I I apologize that this is probably at least the second or third time that this has happened. I apologize because I I kind
1: of just flow into it naturally. And I ask your opinion, like feeding in and out of there. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I've started to do with that first section. So I haven't been as on the game with like, what's your opinion, Alex? Then here's why it's (laughs) important. But I guess to kind of sum again, I think this is important because we've mentioned this on this podcast before, I think most things in life are kind of a spectrum and we don't necessarily, if you're listening to this podcast, it's likely that you have some interest in health, some desire to be somewhat healthy, but maybe you're also, if you've followed me on social media, my whole kind of tagline is feel good in your gut. Maybe you still just want to feel good. Maybe you really resonate with Alex's lifestyle, which is kind of laid back and just looking (laughs) for joy. I do think intuitive eating can be a good middle ground between being not too caught up in health where we get to actually an unhealthy relationship with food or too many food rules, right? That could be unhealthy. But it's also not necessarily just doing whatever you want. And that Mm -hmm. I can kind of review in our next section.
0: Okay, great. So our next session, according to the outline is How do people get it wrong? Is that where you would like to uh, take this health coach, Trish?
1: That is where I would like to take this. Thank you, Alex. Fantastic. All yours.
0: All yours.
1: (laughs) So I think one of the ways people get it wrong is following diets or diet rules to a T just because, right? Society has taught us that this is right, this is wrong. For example, I've seen a lot of people lose weight on keto, so it must mean that carbs are bad and I need to avoid carbs, right? I've seen a lot of people advocate for veganism, so I must not eat meat. That is bad, right? And a lot of times we follow things just based off of society, other people, and that's not really listening to your own body, right? Because nutrition affects everyone different. I remember something. I wanted to share that I read recently. um, And it was was likening our gut to an ecosystem. And we know our gut microbiome is responsible for so many other areas of our health, like our energy, our digestion, and our weight. And this ecosystem is in an environment and that's our, our personal body. Right. But everybody's body, everybody and everybody is very different. So a person's ecosystem, let's say one person is the rainforest. That ecosystem is going to look very different than someone who's a desert, right? Or a Mm -hmm. grassland or the tundra. And there's different. Uh, collections of organisms within that environment that make that environment thrive. And that is so true for everyone's body. So that is why sometimes veganism and plant-based works for other people. Other people will get very, very sick if they eat only plant-based and they really, truly need meat, their hair is falling out, whatever, right? Other people have really unhealthy relationships with meat and they actually do really great when they cut back, right? The same goes for a lot of these other rules. So I think in general, people just are too strict with their rules. Um, and the same goes even for gut health diets. If you're listening for a gut health diet, we know that we might need to be intentional about eating really healthy for some time to heal our gut. But ultimately, that's no way to live. Like it's no way to live. Like if you're listening and you've heard of the FODMAP diet, that's probably something we can review in a different episode. It is so restrictive. And even as a nutritionist, I would never, ever ask someone to live on that for the rest of their life because it's a too restrictive. And B, restriction is unhealthy. Like a lot of times, people find that they're very low energy, maybe they're doing keto, and then they add back in carbs and they feel so much better. And all of a sudden, they start losing weight because their body was like, that's actually legitimately what they needed. So, in general, that's probably pretty obvious, but just no following rules to a specific tea. I think diets are useful as references to pull from, but not necessarily dogma. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely ties into that i that idea of yeah like reference, but not everybody's going to be the same, and y- y- you should never make that assumption. I almost went off into a huge tangent on like education. And I don't want to do that because <laughs> I'm sure we have enough things to talk about here. But like, yeah. That, well, aren't there, You're different, and that's aren't there good.
1: parallels to other areas of your life here, right? And I think you've asked Alex in a previous final screen, like you can be, there's this concept of intuitive living too. So when we're right. talking about this, you can absolutely use this example and equate it to other areas of your life. For example, how much you want to move? How do you want to manage your stress? And like, what does your mindfulness practice look like? What does your right. relationships look like? You can use these principles of basically intuition for a lot of these other ones. We're just using eating and diet as an example. So
0: right.
1: next way that people get it wrong is that they're listening to their head and not truly their body. So let me explain mm-hmm. this. A lot of times our head is based off of past assumptions and memories and expectations we place on ourselves. So, for example, someone might, you know, have an unhealthy relationship with food because they've always gained weight when they went off of a diet. So they basically become very, very, very worried about food, right? And that's more of a head game than a body game. So they might be in this like, you know, low sugar, low carb thing, but then they might actually have low blood sugar and their body is like so sluggish and their body is giving them the signal like, come on, you're really craving carbs and maybe that carb or that sugar craving does mean something. Maybe you do need it, right? Right. The other way that this works is with our brain, we have chemical reactions or chemical-based memories from food. We've talked about this. We know food can release dopamine and serotonin, which are, are mm. motivating uh, mm-hmm. neurotransmitters. So sometimes when people say, like, gosh, all day I've just been feeling like I'm craving Oreos. <laughs> I'm really craving Oreos. <laughs> Your body Probably doesn't really need Oreos. That's probably more of a head or brain based thing because in that moment, if you think about it, your head or your thought, your brain is probably going off of all the memories that food tasted so good or those Oreos specifically tasted so good, right? Um, and it's not really basically using our head or overthinking or getting trapped in memories and things like that is kind of the opposite of intuition. Intuition truly is a body feeling that kind of comes from our gut. We know our gut and our brain are directly connected via that vagus nerve. Um, And here's what I'll say about this one. I think this does require practice and just a little bit of reflection, because at first you might say, well, I feel like I really, really do need this thing. If you're health conscious, you're likely not going to need in particular Oreos, but let's say your body really is like, you've kind of been starving us from sugars and anything pleasurable and we need a little bit. And instead you opt for like some fried bananas. You fry some bananas in little coconut oil with cinnamon and you make yourself a quote unquote healthier treat. And that actually serves your body much better, right? So that's kind of really listening to what your body would need. And I'm going to expand on this in the very next one, but I'm curious, did I kind of describe that the right way, Alex, or is there something, anything else you would add uh, to kind of base, I don't know, to sum up what I just articulated, because it was a lot.
0: It's interesting because there is a question here that I did add to the final scream and that I'm excited to touch on because okay. of some parallels between this and our, our previous work. And I'm trying to figure out how to broach this without necessarily touching on that topic. But I feel like like trying to relate it back to my own experience I I feel like this could definitely be a thing that trips people up because there is a fine line there as I think back to like, okay, you know, what, what's the difference between wanting something because I want it and wanting something because I need it. Mm. I think there is a difference there, but I think that it is a very fine line and is like differentiating between the two of them is likely something that might need to come with practice. So if you're listening to that difference, you're like, okay, well, how in the world, because yeah, I, I feel like differentiating the two of those things is definitely something that could come with practice if you're not used to this. Yes. And like I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way. May, may, oh, here, here's a question that I can give to you that I sure. won't say for the final screen. How are, are there situations that you can think of that could simulate that head feeling mm-hmm. versus that body feeling? Because I feel like the body feeling Mm -hmm. is not really something that we can cause to happen unless we're like intentionally denying ourselves something Mm -hmm. in order for a body to say, hey, we need this thing. So is there a way that you can simulate that type of head reaction as a Mm -hmm. coach to like help a person figure out the difference between the two?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because my brain just went five different places. And part of (laughs) me is thinking that I want to kind of first re not retract, but maybe re say this statement that people get it wrong by listening to their head more than they listen to their body, or they may state they mistake it for that. But I guess what I want to say is sometimes intuitive eating is maybe listening to your head and honoring it from time to time, like just honoring your pleasures. And I guess what I'll say is in the ways to get this right, because we like to go in this structure, <laughs> and we don't do it necessarily like wrong, right, wrong, right. I think some of my examples might help there, but I do think one of the things that um, I do with my clients is two different things. One is creating our own hunger and fullness scale. So the hunger scale is gonna be true hunger, right? And kind Mm -hmm. of writing down the actual sensations in the body. And sometimes I ask my clients to not eat before our sessions, like if we can have it during that time, like don't have your night snack or whatever, and we're gonna eat it together. We'll snack at the end of our session, but I want you to maybe come a little bit hungry. And let's really write down Every single sensation we're having right now, so we know true physical hunger, right? Let's write down the specific cravings we're having and why, right? If you can Mm -hmm. link those cravings back to something that you did just for fun that you felt bad afterwards, that would likely be something that does not serve your body, right? Mm -hmm. If you can link your craving back to something that you had and you felt Fine, and you felt really good afterwards, like you indulged in whatever, fill in the blank, and you felt okay. That's probably a food that does mesh with your body. And that's like an okay indulgence to have. Doesn't mean you can't ever, ever, ever have that thing. Remember, I'm coming from clients mostly with gut issues. Let's say, you know, we're talking about one thing and it made us really bloated and like whatever. Maybe you save that once a year for your birthday, whether this is cake or something. But like (laughs) if you have cravings for that again, we know that's more of a, a memory, like, Feeling pleasure based thing, your body doesn't actually like that food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably not true intuitive eating or truly honoring your body because mm-hmm. to kind of continue on this, well, I guess I'll, I'll backtrack just a second. The other really good thing to do, another thing I do with my clients is called emotional brain training. And that is where you check in with your emotions before your meals. And I guess I am sticking at, uh, kind of skipping ahead here, but I'll just say you asked about this even last time, Alex. And it actually is going through, like, I feel statements. And it's like, I feel sad that, I feel angry that, I feel annoyed that. And then you switch and you say, I feel grateful that, I feel happy that, I feel secure that. And you're kind of checking in with your emotions before you eat, because if you can kind of leave some of that baggage, the sadness, the annoyances, the things that you made you frustrated for the day, you might then be able to touch in with what your body needs more versus mm-hmm. what your brain just wants. Right. Because if you're coming in right. very emotional, then you will likely crave specific food. So so then you can really tap into what your body's really craving and not so much your mind. Um, okay. But I appreciate this because it made me think think that when I'm saying people get it quote unquote wrong by listening to their head it's just that I think we're trapped in our heads and our memories and our pleasures around food more so than our body when it comes to health so it's kind of just as a rule of thumb trying to tap in with your body so did that did any of those things answer your question
0: I think so yeah and it did spawn another question for the final scream that might be able to help uh, clarify that even further. And okay. I am going to keep that one sacred because if I just keep giving you all my questions, then I'm not going to have anything for the end.
1: Right. Exactly. I
0: will, I will definitely bounce it back to you uh, to, to continue looking at this, this second section. Sure.
1: Okay. So I think the next way people get it quote unquote wrong is by not honoring or respecting what their body really needs or does not need. So, Mm -hmm. for example, like I am gluten intolerant. We've talked about gluten intolerance. My body really doesn't ever need bread. Right. But sometimes I crave a grilled cheese. (laughs) So I'm Mm. not going to eat, go out and eat a grilled cheese that's made of gluten bread. Right. Because I know that that isn't really going to be honoring and respecting my body, because even though it can give me pleasure in the moment, I know it's likely going to make me more sick afterwards. But maybe I can be more of an intuitive eater instead by respecting that I'm having that craving, whether or not it's a head craving or or a body craving, and say, I'm going to go buy some gluten-free bread. I'm going to get some cheese. I'm going to take some lactate. I'm going to more honor my body and do this in a way that I'm listening to my craving, but doing it in a healthier way and make myself a gluten-free um, grilled cheese, which I just had the other day, by the way. So I think that it's... Um, and, and the reason I'm putting this in here is because sometimes people say, well, I'm just going to like give my body what it wants or my brain or whatever, what it wants and eat the Reese's. But then they end up feeling like crap after. And that's right. kind of like this binge and restrict Nature of diet culture and intuitive eating is the opposite, right? Not just always Mm -hmm. giving in, but kind of still respecting and honoring our body for what it needs or does not need. And within this rule, too, would also be like people not respecting that they maybe do need carbs or they do need meat, right? If there's someone who is actually feeling more sick, restricting it, but they're just following keto or veganism because they think they should, right?
0: Right. And I feel like probably that that idea that if you're craving something and you have it and then you feel bad afterwards probably is a nice signal that that's more of a head craving and maybe less of a body craving. Is that fair to say? Because if your body was actually craving it, okay, well, I guess, shoot, I keep having all these great questions and I need to say them, but <laughs> could your body good... crave something that, like an actual body yeah. craving, something that would then make you feel bad afterwards or... Mm. So, like, I know you say that you were craving the grilled cheese, and I feel like that would be more of a head-craving type thing, and you were able to kind of satisfy that by adjusting it to your body's specific needs. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that your body would crave something that could be harmful for it?
1: That's such an interesting question, and I'm glad we're having this because I think these are the questions, right? I think that this is why this is a new concept that's kind of up for debate. So I think the way I'll, I'll say that is... It reminded me of sometimes, and I'm going to bring it back to gut health because that's kind of what I know better than other things like weight loss. When it comes to gut health, sometimes we will still have reactions to foods. Like for example, maybe I have a client who is off of beans for a while because sometimes beans causes digestive discomfort. The next time they have hummus, which is made of chickpeas or beans, they get a little bit bloated. And all of a sudden, because they've been very fearful of hurting their body because they just want this pain to go away, their brain loads up all this fear like, oh no, beans are really bad for me. And all of a sudden they're stressed out and anxious and their body is like, giving them this like bad response and they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm really sick. I can't have beans anymore. But sometimes the body does need an adjustment period. So maybe you can do that. So typically what I tell people is try when you're reintroducing a food for a couple of days, see how you feel. Hopefully those, those symptoms go away or they're manageable. If like there were two or three on a scale, can you deal with some bloating every now and again? Probably. If you're up to like a seven or eight or even six or above on the pain scale or discomfort, that's likely your body saying no, 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 no. Right. Um, right. However, you know, I can't say that when I'm saying body, this is kind of a abstract concept because even those things like hormones and chemicals are made in our body that I just said are more of a head game. So I do think it's like there's some abstractness to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's listening to your head a little bit, listening to your body a little bit more. But maybe there are some ways that your body – like, for example, we know people who have diabetes get spikes of spikes and drops of insulin, which regulate our blood sugar. So they're going to feel like they need tons of sugar – but then it's going to drop and we know excess amount of sugar over time is bad for diabetes, right? So it's like, yeah, your body's going to say you need it because it's not like an even keel regulation. So I guess what I think is if your body's in a somewhat healthy state and you're in this even keel regulation of blood sugar, gut health, whatever it is, your body will likely know Mm -hmm. if you kind of are in a disease state, like bad gut issues, diabetes, You're in the midst of your weight loss journey. Your body might be confused and just need time to adjust. So I will say that. That's part of it. And that's why I think ultimately we call it the practice of intuitive eating because it is a practice. I think it differs from diets because you go on, you go off of those. I think intuitive eating is kind of like a lifelong practice. You continue to kind of see how you feel and you practice listening to your body or head for a while. But then after a week, if that way of eating doesn't feel good for you, then you adjust.
0: Right. Right. I think this, again, just ties into that idea of there is no one size fits all. And some of these questions that I've been asking, admittedly, are trying to like generalize that whole process. So, you know, it's charting a middle course between the head cravings and the body cravings and adjusting that as it works for you, because your your middle path is going to be different from someone else's middle path.
1: Exactly. I love that. I love that, Alex. And that's why I think we need to ask these questions, though, because if you are someone who wants to be an intuitive eater, these are the questions you need to ask for yourself. And like, like you know, Alex mentioned, you kind of chart your own course here and you find your way. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right. So how else can people get it wrong, Trish?
1: Okay. Last couple of ways that people can get it wrong is not having any sort of plan or guide or experience for future goals. And this goes for the people who do have a health goal, Like right? maybe, Maybe Alex's only goal right now in his life is to just enjoy food and ice cream, right? <laughs> but if you're listening in and you do have a goal to have a healthier gut, to have more energy, to clear up your skin, to lose weight, it's nice to have some sort of plan. So it doesn't necessarily say you're willy nilly pulling like from, like you're never planning any sort of meals. Like you kind of say, hey, this week I was at the grocery store and the cheese looked really good. And for some reason, I think I want to try that. That's fantastic. Let me try it out this week, right? Versus just not having any plans. I think, again, this one is up for interpretation because some people's way of intuitive eating might be no plans or rules at all. But I think it doesn't, by definition, intuitive eating doesn't mean that you don't have to have any planner guide. If you're someone who wants gen, like I have general guidelines. I mostly avoid gluten when I can. I avoid dairy about 80 to 75% of the time. Sometimes in my life, I'm like, I'm only avoiding it 50% of the time. And then the same <laughs> goes for things like sugar. Like I continue to adjust, but I know I feel my best when I'm 95% gluten free and 80% dairy free. So those are my kind of general guides and I kind of adjust as needed so know that that can be part of it people get it wrong by just thinking it's no plans whatsoever right (laughs) or that like you're a bad intuitive eater if you have any sort of guidelines and that's not true (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay last one is not eating mindfully or listening to your body's hunger and fullness cues like we said last week so i think people might say like you know um I'm intuitive eater, but they're they're still like shoving food down and they're overeating and that's not really listening again to what your body really could be telling you. Like you could totally maybe eat whatever you want, but I do think it's very important for your health and to listen to your body by practicing mindful eating. I think we denoted that last time, so it's probably not a surprise. But I think that just goes hand in hand again. I think it's a strategy and part of intuitive eating. And I think that's a tip that people can use To find these things out. I think when you slow down and you tap into your body through mindful eating, then you're going to be able to find do you always need dessert after or do you not? Or if you're doing that, then you can really recognize if your body is like, hey, it would just feel really good to have a dessert versus I shoved my meal down in five minutes and now I don't know, but I feel like I just want to, you know? So I do Mm -hmm. think it's a strategy to use within this practice and it'll probably help you get to know your body better.
0: All right. Excellent. If you want to learn more on the concept of mindful eating, you can check out the last episode of Ice Cream You Scream. What's the deal with mindful eating? Brought to you by yours truly, uh, Alex. I like to eat food. Rodriguez and Trish, I like to be healthy. Whetstone. Yep. That's nice. You know,
1: that's a little plug. That's our advertisement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, speaking of advertisements, why don't we take a quick ad break? And then we'll jump back into the discussion with how people get it right. Sounds good. All right. Be back soon.
1: Are you stuck in food confusion? Or you just don't know what the heck to eat to feel good in your gut? Are you constantly unbuttoning your pants because the bloat has gotten so bad? Or maybe you're just getting that feeling that you're spending too many hours of your life in the bathroom. If so, it's time to join the 30-day Feel Good Gut group coaching program. It's led by me, Trish, your personal health and nutrition coach. Our next session runs from May 2021 into June, so be sure to reserve your spot within the link in the show notes below. Here's to feeling good in your gut. Welcome back.
0: We're still here, and if you're hearing this, so are you. So Thanks for doing that. That was Being really
1: enthusiastic. Very good. Very good. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, well, before the break, we were talking about or introducing the concept of intuitive eating, which is a concept that we have discussed at uh, in brief in some previous episodes. And we were so intrigued by it that we wanted to make it its own episode. So we have been really fleshing out what it is. And if you're just joining us for the second half of this episode, uh, or I, I mean I'd go back and listen to the first half but if you're a <laughs> person you who is in? <laughs> right like if you're a person who's walking through the room right now having not heard the first half of the episode and you need an excuse to go check it out intuitive eating is this idea that our body knows best and we need to listen to those cravings. But as Trish mentioned, we need to be listening to the right kinds of cravings because a common pitfall of people who want to get into this idea of intuitive eating is separating the head cravings, the cravings that are tied to an emotion from the body cravings, the cravings that are tied to a biological need for a certain form of substance, uh, Sub sustenance is what I was looking for, uh, maybe a certain macronutrient if I may name drop a tiny bit there. Uh, So yes, we have been talking about how people get it wrong and now we're going to expand the conversation into how people get it right. So if you are an aspiring intuitive eater and you want to get some of those tips and tricks on how to better uh, listen to those cravings and chart your own path through this this gut world, (laughs) uh, this adventure of yours... Stay tuned because Trish is about to take us away.
1: I love that. That was really good, Alex. And I think um, it's interesting because we may have touched on this, but I can hopefully just articulate it in a different way. So here is how people get it right. Intuitive eating, getting it right, is listening to your body's sensations, pain points and pleasure points and respecting them. So to kind of elaborate and kind of maybe clarify what I said in the last section, this is exactly what I had on our outline. Get out of your head to an extent. So emotional Mm. eating is normal and okay at times. Like it is okay. I don't want to, you coming into this thinking that it is bad or always unhealthy to eat ice cream if you're sad, right? Or to eat cake when you're celebrating and you're excited. Or, you know, drink alcohol when you're when you're feeling like you just are happy and and want to celebrate. Like that is okay, but I think over time you can kind of become conditioned to use food as your only coping skill. So my my kind of point here is that oftentimes our body needs to be nourished or to cope with that stress, that emotion in different ways. So one of the things that you can do to be more of an intuitive eater is if you're noting this, you're practicing that, you're getting out of your head and you're thinking, hey, I might be eating this or craving this thing just because I am emotional. Let me just see if I can go for a walk and see if that helps. Let me just see if, you know, a lot of times we have sweet cravings and sweets are sugar, but maybe you're just like looking for some sweetness in your life. So like you do something creative and you you make like a really wonderful picture or something and you listen to music or like you cuddle with your loved one and like that's sweetness. And then sweetness, you eat the picture. But then you eat, the yes, exactly. And then you eat your loved one. Yes.
0: Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: You might find that like there's there's a saying, and I don't know how it goes, but like we consume all day long and it's not just food. We consume Mm -hmm. entertainment. We consume a lot of things. And again, this practice of intuitive eating can go to intuitive living. Sometimes the foods we eat can be toxic, but sometimes the media can be toxic. So maybe Mm -hmm. you're turning to food and you're turning because you're like stressed out by the news. And it's like, maybe instead, if you change it up to like a lighthearted comedy or you read instead, or you just have uninterrupted conversation with the person you're eating with, you might find that those stressors and those emotions aren't driving your cravings as much. And that's really listening to and honoring your body because then you'll kind of know better when you really just want sugar for the sugar. And it's, it's like, not for some other reason so does that like make sense at all alex do you think um that makes sense or what are your thoughts on that
0: it does make sense and it, it that idea of intuitive living and managing your consumption not just as it relates to eating but across all things reminded me of that dark time in my life where i was student teaching and working a social job and had to like cut out game of thrones because there was so much negativity from like so much social negativity from student teaching and then going to yeah. waitering and dealing with all of the finest people, he said, as sarcastically as possible. And then going back to be like, oh, look, and now another sad thing is happening. I was like, I can't I just can't do that yeah. because it's making. So that's how I found Parks and Recreation. And it was one of the best oh, really? moments of my life. Oh, <laughs> really? I yeah. love that. Yeah, that I was is looking so for funny. something good to watch.
1: Yes. And you know what? You know what? Uh, We can't get into this right now, Alex. I like Parks and Rec. I do like Parks and Rec. You know I do. Mm -hmm. But you know I I don't like it as much as my favorite show of all time, The Office. I do. And and I just have to say, I like them both. And I might have to get Christian to watch Parks and Rec because he hasn't watched that one yet. Um, So that might be one of the ones we rewatch soon. I'll watch it with him. Uh, but like, there are, t- there have been times when like, I've been really sad, actually. And I'm like, okay, I just feel like I want to eat all the sweets because I know that's my tendency. Um, mm-hmm. but I do also know and respect that if I eat too much, and sometimes I recognize that, like, I, I can't overdo it and then I'm going to feel crappy, right? Because of my gut issues that I just like would have on speed dial almost <laughs> around save my um, little bloopers of the office, like season three bloopers. Mm-hmm. And I watch those and it's like that little pattern interruption can sometimes mm-hmm. be enough to be like, I did get pleasure. I did get that dopamine rush, right? That's a way that is something that actually is bodily, right? In our body, and our brain, we're releasing this dopamine, right? Um, but we're not necessarily always turning to... Food, So I think it's like recognizing that food is nourishment, food is pleasure, but it also doesn't even necessarily have to be everything in your life. I do think intuitive eating is also like looking for other intuitive ways to nourish your body and to consume things that serve you.
0: I wish, and I have to look into copyright claims more specifically, because I, like, I don't know if you can see it, but every once in a while when we are talking about these topics, there's a moment where you say something, and then it all starts to click together, and I wish that in these moments, I could play Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove, and I'm going to do my best impression of it, and you can laugh at me, Uh, I'm not going to do it justice, because Mr. Warburton is just absolutely incredible, but that, like, oh yeah. It's all coming together. Yes! I, I wish we, I wish we could just play that like at that moment. Like I could just get that clip from YouTube or something, and then put it into the episode because it just happened as like you were a talking. Sting. Right, and this idea of like separating the head craving that is tied to the emotion, because if you can differentiate those two things, then and I mean I'm gonna relate it back to our field, like our prevention field we're constantly looking for the anti-drug what is something that you can do instead of using a substance so instead of using a substance to deal with your stress here are some stress relief techniques we can apply that to the field of eating like what is your what is your anti-food essentially if you're find that you <laughs> yeah. eating too much why are you eating And if you find that you're eating to fill an emotional void what are some other things that you can do to get that positive emotion that aren't tied to food like watching something, engaging in a hobby that brings you that same joy, talking to someone. And that it clicked. It I watched you know it clicked. And, and I'm, I'm feeling good.
1: I love it. I love it, Alex. First of all, that cronk was very good. It was very good. I really, really oh, liked that. You. We had a friend in college, uh, Christian's old roommate that actually did Probably the best crunk that I've ever heard. You were very close, <laughs> but I, I might have to show you. He's very, very good. Um, but that was also a beautiful way of articulating it and kind of summing up that section. So I mm. love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so yes, yes. Okay. Yay. Okay. I just have a couple more ways you can get it right. And the sure. next one is to make your own guidelines and plans that work for you. Pull from different exper- experiences of your own Schools of thought that you resonate with and leave all the other, for lack of a better word, I'll say bullshit behind. Like if you are someone who is health conscious, but you read something and this is where the intuition really comes into play. And you read a new health study or you see an influencer and they're like, this is the best new way to eat or the best new dish or this is the best new health thing or whatever. And for whatever reason in your stomach, you're just like, you get that gut feeling of like, ugh that just doesn't feel like that would feel good or that would be too hard or is that really necessary? And you're just coming to question and you have that feeling that it's not for you, then don't do that thing, right? But if you get really excited because you are really passionate about saving animals and and you really want to try out veganism because it just feels really good for you, fantastic. If like you, again, just pull from your own experience, experiences and school of thought, but like see which ones you resonate and kind of just feel good for both your body and your mind,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and your like mind. That. Um, mm-hmm. I got two more. Sure. Two more. Okay. Keep it going. I'll keep going We're with on the a flow. Roll. On a roll. The next one is, of course, be flexible as well. I think the ways that people can get this right is knowing again your diet doesn't have to be dogma. Diet, I, I love and hate this word. I kind of have a love hate relationship because I think. Diet technically, by definition, is just a way of eating. But we've defined it in our society that it is something that's strict and people are like, no diet. And it's like, your diet or your way of eating, we can still use that word, it's not necessarily bad, can change over time. As long as you see it as flexible and fluid and as adaptable, maybe you see it as a spectrum and you recognize that you'll maybe slide on the scale over time. I think that's true intuitive eating, knowing that there's times in your life when you 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 truly aren't feeling your best and you want to go more towards the health side versus their time when you want to celebrate more and indulge more and you're more focused on pleasure then know that you can kind of slide along this scale and just find that comfortable middle ground for yourself. So that mm-hmm. is that and you know of course one last tip as we as we already put the plug in eat mindfully whatever you're going to eat do it mindfully.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again we can just we can tie that mindful eating back into Knowing why you are eating because that's what mindful eating is and to summarize our last episode in like 20 seconds It's that idea of being aware of why you're eating and how you are eating So if you are analyzing that process and you know can say like I'm eating for this reason, you know Is there a better way that you can be getting? Something is there a better way that you can be getting this feeling than you know with the food
1: I love that. Why you're eating and how you're eating? That's eating mindfully. That's a perfect way of putting that. Alex Rodriguez well, said that. Alex Rodriguez, Trish Wedstone.
0: That, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a good office. I see. I did catch that office. You breakfast. did. You did. You I did. Enough.
1: Well, I think.
0: You know, ooh, go oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I think it would be really funny if we could put together some short videos similar to, like, the assertiveness videos. I don't know who we would find to do it, but I think it would be really cool to, like, tie in some of these topics to reference back and just, like, post for fun. Because, you know, with that kind of humor and, like, the quick edit, uh, I think it'd be be neat. uh, I think we should do it, Alex,
1: because you know what? I can kind of see this expanding. Maybe one day we'll have a YouTube channel. Obviously, I can oh put on my social pages, but maybe we can then record them and put them on YouTube too. Maybe some season two I myself
0: points. from podcast producer to social media manager.
1: Yes, yes, Amazing. oh my gosh, totes. <laughs> Always giving yourself uh, new titles, I love it.
0: Yeah, I d- really do gaining yourself, deserving way, yourself,
1: new titles. <laughs> that,
0: that's a way that I extract happiness from my life. Yes. What can I add to my email tagline?
1: Yes. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I think I was just going to say that's all I really had to say for now. I'm really excited Mm. for your final screen questions because I Mm. think they always bring up more insights. And again, I just want to put in this plug, if you're listening and you have any other thoughts, it's very possible that we could maybe do an intuitive eating part two, if it ever comes up, you know, if there's ever like, a, there's more to this discussion, because I do think this is a new concept. It's different for everybody. And even today, I even had some new perspective based on your questions, Alex. Oh, wow. Wow. I
0: I do want to expand on that thought, because there were a couple of people that I was chatting with about this topic and about this episode in, in particular. And it truly was like, hey, you know, what are your questions? Because some of those things are things that I can bring to this discussion because they really do help inform our direction. Yeah. So we, I know that I feel like a lot of people say this, but I, I feel like we are in a great position where you know we're we're out there, but we're not out there too much that you know we we can't not respond to all yes. of those things. So please share that feedback on the Facebook page, on Apple Podcast, wherever you are listening. We. We covet those questions because we're in the place currently where we can answer yeah. them and, and use them. So Exactly. You know, we encourage you to do that.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: And on that note, it is time for the final scream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I do only have four questions for the final scream today, but we had such great discussions that there I, I couldn't not add some of them to our earlier. Uh, to the earlier part of our episode for the uninitiated the final scream is our segment where we do some rapid fire questions that are developed over the course of the episode i don't look at these outlines prior to sitting down to start recording this on purpose because i like to improvise and also because um I am, no, no, I'm not lazy. I'd like, no, You're not I like a the professional pressure.
1: health coach like me who wants to make up these. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and then I, yeah. it's it's fun because you're surprised by the content, and then I'm yes. surprised by your questions at the end. So it's fair it's, it's yeah. and
0: good. So they're developed in tandem with the episode, and uh, we answer, we give them to Trish. Trish has 20 seconds to answer each question. Timer starting after I finish reading the question. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up my timer so I can be aware of how things are going, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Now, I, I truly am excited, and I will say this again as well, because we do have the 20-second limit, but every once in a while, but we, we always like cheat. to <laughs> bend the limit a little bit because there are some topics that we truly just want to hear more about. So yeah. we appreciate you humoring us because I'm curious, and we hope that you're curious as well if you're here listening to this episode. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead with the first question. We talked about the dopamine release from food and how that can cause some of those cravings within the brain, okay, similar to a substance. Now, I am curious if similar to a substance, does that mean that that food craving can also cause like its own mini like withdrawal and tolerance symptoms so like eventually I'm going to need more of that food to get that joy release from you know consuming it and and feeling that dopamine release Uh, and also like you know if I stop eating it then I'm going to feel that withdrawal because I've joked about feeling that sometimes with ice cream and I'm curious to see if that could be maybe a legitimate concern.
1: Absolutely. I think this is a great question because what we know from food addiction research is that it's very much parallel to substance use addiction. So, yes, Mm -hmm. people can kind of withdraw from sugar, for example, and have Mm a tolerance where they feel the need to have more and more and more. And most of this goes off of our insulin response as well.
0: All right. There you go. You always like... When it gets down to, like, the five or six second mark, I'm like, oh, there's no way she's going to do it. And then you just, you wrap it up so succinctly. I'm like, okay, all right, I was surprised. Well done, well done. Thank you. I suppose it it does make sense because, like, a lot of the regulations and things that come down from, like, for substances and things, like, they come down from the FDA. Like, the Food and Drug Administration. It's like they go very closely linked.
1: And I guess I'll just say if there are food addiction specialists listening in and you want to guess and provide more insight, this is what I know from my education and training, but I certainly don't necessarily think, even though I used to be a past substance use prevention specialist, I am not a food addiction specialist. So Mm -hmm. that is far as what I know, but I think there's probably more to even learn here. So that was a good question.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Can a head craving cause a gut craving and I'm going to clarify this before starting the time so like this thing made me happy you know, like we know that we separating that head craving from that gut craving can be tricky and you know requires that that balance and that that experimentation and testing but could it be that wanting the thing in your brain not only causes a craving for the emotional release the dopamine release but also turn that into a body craving so your body feels like you, know, you get the stomach burbles for it as well.
1: Yes, I i am not going to be able to articulate it in this in 20 seconds, but there is research that basically when we crave something in our head, that cephalic phase of digestion, we can have cephalic responses where it starts our stomach acid, prepares us, and we actually get that physical sensation for that food.
0: Mm, Okay. Awesome job. Awesome job. I honestly wasn't sure when the time was going to end because I do this thing where I get so excited that I click the button too fast. And then I start and stop the time like four times in a row. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I guess there's no timer, but that was good.
1: You know, this is really interesting because I just learned about something. It used that word cephalic. It was with head, but it was like cephalic carb cravings. (laughs) And it was like that some people are so almost, quote unquote, addicted to carbs, that just Mm -hmm. looking at them can cause our body to crave them. So I might, I might have to write a note in our notes here to bring some more information to our our episode next time. But as far as I know, the answer is yes, it can kind of create physical cravings in our body as well. And that's why I think it's just important to come back to the root cause of that craving. Like was Mm -hmm. the root cause because your body didn't want or need it? Or was it because you've been conditioned over time you always used you know fill in the blank to deal with your emotions you know
0: right okay now this is a question that stemmed from a conversation that i had with a person in real life so again send us your questions uh but how do you deal so if if you're a person who is trying to refine your ability to intuitive eat but you find that you are dealing with cravings that want you to eat too much and you know that those cravings are going to cause you to eat too much. Do you have any tips or tricks for mitigating that or dealing with that so that you're not experiencing them so often?
1: Yes, I'll start by saying it's a process over time, but I like to give my clients food, come up with food and non-food controls. So a food to substitute or a food that is definitely something they're going to just indulge in, but then also having a non-food way of coping or dealing with that food, mitigating that eating. Um, So it's a mix of both. I knew that was was going to go off.
0: That was good. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. I appreciate that. Sure. And finally, uh, how, as always, how does this topic relate to ice cream?
1: Oh gosh. I think that you can, you can definitely eat intuitively when it comes to ice cream, if you find that it works well with your body and it's just honoring it what you want. <laughs> but at the same time, I do think it's one that we can fall victim to. That might be somewhat of a head game. So you just have to practice and find out for yourself.
0: Okay. That's good news for me. I feel like I am in that intuitive eating sweet spot where I do look forward, like I tr- I've, I've I've been honest with you. I do look yeah. forward to it at the end of the day and I feel like there could be a little bit of a head craving there, but also I feel like uh, maybe I'm completely off base here. I don't know how much dairy content is in ice cream, but I don't drink a lot of milk. So I think there could also be a body <laughs> craving in there where I'm getting some dairy intake
1: potentially from the
0: ice cream. Potentially. potentially. Maybe not and I, a lot, think, but.
1: I think it's still something that just is serving you. I guess like mm-hmm. to wrap up, when it comes to intuitive eating, nobody can tell you, if you've noticed here, no one can tell you how much or how little of a nutrient you should have, how much calories or not or calories you shouldn't have, right? What you should mm-hmm. or shouldn't eat. It's really just finding what meshes well with you at this point in your life that still feels good, right? And it seems like it still feels good for you right now and um With regards to head slash body, you're not really getting body craving, body bad symptoms, right? And you're Mm -hmm. also not necessarily feeling guilty about it. Because I guess one thing I'll say that I may have forgotten to mention is like, maybe your body is fine with that food. The one piece of candy you splurged on because you needed it from Alex's candy corner in the office, (laughs) but your brain was so loaded up on feelings of guilt and you were beating yourself up about it. That's a way that, like, we, again, want to get out of our head, but, like, our head is actually giving us a good signal that, like, You need to develop your relationship with your food in a different way because you shouldn't be feeling so guilty and like beating yourself Mm. up. You know what I mean? Mm. That's not even necessarily your body saying it was bad. It's almost like your brain saying it was bad, but like that's not intuitive eating because then you're beating yourself up. You know what I mean? So it's like being in good space both physically and mentally about what you're doing, feeling good without feeling guilty, feeling energized, reaching your goals without, again, beating yourself up.
0: And I'm happy to be that hype man. I, I do that with my, with my partner when she's like, I, I need you to help me feel better about this decision that I made. I'm like, hey, you deserve to have this because it's going to help you feel good and you've been doing great and you deserve this. So if you need to feel better because you're dealing with those guilty feelings, I will absolutely help. There you go. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And I will just help you discover. I do love, I will say I love doing this in my practice because I think it is hard to do alone, but I do love exploring these things like helping people come up with food controls and non-food controls to help work with their cravings and overeating and helping people find what works for them. So as always, you can reach out to me as well if you feel like you're wanting to go on this journey, but you're maybe an emotional eater or you're just haven't kind of figured it out and you're beating yourself up i could also help you out but yeah again we've we've chatted about maybe we need a program where it's like me 90 percent of the time mm-hmm. alex 10 percent of the time
0: <laughs> i just get like little little intermittent intermittent flashes in between like the trish content where it's like the spinny background in the end and then i'm just like enjoy what you eat and yes. then i'm gone just to kind of hypnotize
1: you into still feeling good about your choices right yeah love it
0: all right well thank you trish as always for your expertise and thank you to our listeners for being supportive and for encouraging us to continue doing what we are doing because we truly enjoy it and we hope that you do as well any final words trish before we end for today
1: oh i would just say thank you as well for listening we'd love to hear your thoughts as we said before and happy intuitive eating i hope you can find some pleasure and some good data for yourself on this journey
0: Thanks for listening to Ice Cream, You Scream. Our podcast is co-produced by Alexander Rodriguez and Trish Whetstone. Our theme was composed by Russo and used with licensing provided by Artlist.io. Our logo was created by Trish Whetstone and Alexander Rodriguez. If you love what you're hearing, leave a review and hit subscribe. For more health and wellness information, connect with at Feel Good gut Girl on Instagram, within the Feel Good Gut Group on Facebook, or visit healthcoachingbytrish.com. Here's to feeling good in your gut.